0: Hey guys, this is the second part of our lecture on the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking specifically about the person and processions of the Holy Spirit and also his unique attributes. So we are just going to dive right in. I can figure out how to share my screen with you. Oops. Let me do one quick I mean, sorry, keep messing this up. There we go. Okay. Forge program work of the Holy spirit. So now we're in the wrong spot. So I take a second. Hold on guys. Technology. It just continues to, there we go. Christian belief, the Holy spirit. This is where we are. This is where we're going. All right. So the key question. that we are asking here is, or are rather, how do we know that the spirit is the full third person of the Trinity and not just a way of referring to the force of God. And then second, if the spirit is a distinct person of the Trinity, how does he relate to the father and the son? So I know that you guys are probably up to here with Trinity, but it is important for us to understand. And this all has to do with what we call um, the divine or sorry, the processions, the Trinitarian processions. But just briefly, let's talk about this first question. How do we know that the spirit is a full third person and not just a way of referring to sort of a general force of God? Um, and the, the main answer to that question is that um, he has titles. So in the New Testament, there are titles, the Holy Spirit and Paraclete that are that are reserved specifically for, um, this Holy spirit. And then we see not in, in a whole lot of places it's to be, you know, that it, to be honest, but we do see particularly in John 14 and in John 16, um, we see the Holy spirit referred to as he or him. And actually it's not really he or him so much as it is a personal pronoun. So in English, we only have he you know, he, him, and her, he and her, if you will, a male and female pronoun, but in, or Greek actually has a male, female and a neuter pronoun, but that neuter pronoun is still personal. It's not it like how we have, you know, if we don't know if someone is he or her, sometimes we use the word they instead. Um, so it's kind of like, as if we had a neuter, they, so it, the Holy spirit is referred to as this personal pronoun as he or him. Um, and this, we saw, we already read this in John 14 for, you know, him, he dwells with you and will be in you in John 14, 26, it says, he will teach you all things. Um, we also see that in first Corinthians as well. And we see the title. Um, and then we also see the, the spirit appear in a personal way in the way that he has unique attributes and he has, um, some of his own um he speaks in acts he uses the word i and he has a mind of his own in romans and so we see enough evidence of the holy spirit as being a person and having a personal nature that i think we can say with great confidence Not i think we can say we definitely can say with great confidence that the spirit is a full third person of the trinity but perhaps the place where we see that most clearly is in how his relationship is described to the father and the son and the way that he is described to the father and son is this, the spirit eternally proceeds from the father and the son. And the spirit is the spirit of the father and the spirit of the son. So we see in a few different places, um, like Matthew 28, 19, first Peter, um, one second Corinthians 13, we see where, um, things are said like father, son, and Holy spirit. And so where all three are put right next to each other. So we see that there is an equality there and a consideration of the Holy spirit with the father and the son. And then what we see in John 15 in particular is how the Holy spirit proceeds from the father and from the son. That is the relationship that they have. So he is equal in essence and his unique relationship is that of proceeding. Now, what on earth does proceeding mean? Truth is, we don't know exactly. Just like we don't know what it means to be eternally begotten, God is lisping to us in some way, helping us understand something of um, the unfathomable mysteries of the ontological Trinity. So, what exactly is proceeding? Not sure, but it is different than being begotten. That we do know. So it's a little bit less specific in its imagery, right? We have some idea of a Father-Son begetter-begotten relationship. Um, and we're not totally sure. We don't have um, specific imagery, I guess I should say, for what proceeding means. We do understand that it is somewhat similar, but that there is this connotation of breath or sending. Um, so there's a lot of uh, even in uh, John 20, when Jesus sends the Spirit in that particular um, account, Jesus breathes on him. So there is some kind of uh, breath or sending out that is is. Uh, connected to this idea but what we can say with great certainty is that though he eternally proceeds like with the son um, he is neither subordinate to the father nor to the son nor is he created by the father or the son there's not hierarchy but there is order in some form or fashion and when he proceeds as he is sent he is sent to be the helper or the paraclete so we can say with uh, Lewis Burkoff, he came as the paraclete to take the place of Christ and to do his work on earth. That is to teach, proclaim, testify, be a witness, etc., as the son had done. So he is um, continuing the work of the son. And Christopher Holmes writes, the spirit brings us into alignment with the reality, the indicative, into fellowship with Christ and the father and their people, and gives us the capacity to obey the imperatives intrinsic to that fellowship. So that is the spirit's job. He is sent to bring us in. Now, what are the unique attributes of the spirit? I didn't uh, get my PowerPoint right on that one. So there they all are. You can see them all at one time, but the, the unique attributes of the spirit are this, to be the power of God, the presence of God, the proclamation of God, and the perfection of God. Now, those are not like uh, that's not a biblically termed list. That is my summation of the biblical information. So other people might describe it or put it, categorize it differently, uh, but that that's a fair summation of um of what you would read. So the power of God, the presence of God, the proclamation of God, and the perfection of God. So as we saw, He is the power of God for special skills. The power of God for heavenly beings, for strengthening leaders. Uh, we receive power when this Holy Spirit comes upon us. He's a power for ministry. Um, and he comes with the power to save. He is the presence of God. Um, we saw that, that he was present in the tabernacle um, with cloud and fire and uh, among the people leading them through the wilderness. Um, and so he is also upon us. He is the indwelling um spirit, he indwells upon us, and then he also sometimes fills us up. So there's two particular ways. I guess you could say that he is the presence of God. He indwells us. So he makes Christ and the Father known to us at all times um, by the indwelling. But he also sometimes we, we uh are filled with the spirit in unique ways that can be um relate more related to the power of God. And so sometimes we Um, we're more aware of that. Maybe we feel the spirit in a unique way, but whether or not we feel the spirit does not change the fact that he does in fact indwell us. So he is the presence of God in our inner being and also corporately together. And we'll talk more about that corporate presence um, in the weeks to come. Now he is the proclamation of God. So he is the teacher of the church. The spirit is the teacher of the church. He is associated with wisdom um, and inspiration of the word, very closely associated with scriptures, the creation of scriptures, um, with preaching and with teaching. It's very clear that he does not just same in the Old Testament as David said, it's his words that are spoken through us. And he's also associated with the understanding of the proclamation. So both sides of proclamation, the creation of it and the under or the inspiration of it and the understanding of it. So as we talked about in our last uh, lecture, the spirit illuminates the text or illumines the text for us It was declared by God, um, And it is made known to us by the Holy Spirit in our own hearts. Now, I did want to uh, just take a second. Melissa asked a really great question in our lecture on that as to whether or not, I think sometimes we can associate this idea of illumination with something that we feel, like we feel something when we come to the text. But the truth is, if there's any part of this text that you understand, that comes from the Holy Spirit, whether or not you feel a filling of the Spirit or a quickening of your heart in that. We want to be really careful to acknowledge that the Holy Spirit does work through emotions, but the Holy Spirit is not limited to emotions. And it is not something that we can manipulate. He is not something we can manipulate with our emotions. And so sometimes we feel the work of the Spirit and sometimes we don't. And simply because we do not feel the work of the Spirit does not mean that the Spirit is not um at work in us. Which Is great news when we get to this last point, the perfection of God. Because to be perfectly honest, I do not feel the perfection of God, do not feel perfect most of the time. I do not even feel like I'm inching closer to being perfect a lot of the time. But what I know to be true is that He is the perfection of God. He's the one who begins it and He's the one who glorifies it, it being all of God's work. Therefore, me being part of that. He is the closer or the completer. He brings work to completion. um, And when it comes to redemption in particular, he applies it. Not only is he the power through which we proclaim Christ, he's the one that brings that work to completion by allowing us to understand. He perfects or completes the work of Christ by taking what the Father purposed, what Christ accomplished, and he applies it to us, both in a one-time sense, we're going to see in a minute, and also in the long-term gradual sense. So the Christian hope is that the work that the spirit of God began hovering over the deep and the darkness over this formless void, bringing life, our hope is that he'll do it again and that he hovers over these dry bones and he breathes life into us and that life um, we experience in part now, but we will experience an even greater or perfect restoration in the future perfect glorification um, in the kingdom that is to come so that is the basic um, overview of the relationship of the spirit to the father and the son and of his unique role within the trinity and now we're going to turn um, in this third part of our lecture to the work of the spirit and how we experience in our lives the power of god the presence of God, the proclamation of God, and the perfection of God through the spirit.